Welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto, the podcast for all things cryptocurrency. Today's guest is someone that most of you may already be familiar with. We have Glenn James from My Millennial Money. Now, Glenn is a retired financial advisor with experience helping countless people get on top of their finances, and he hosts the My Millennial Money podcast. He also has a book, Sort Your Money Out, speaks at various events nationally, and is a regular contributor to a variety of national money publications. We wanted to get Glenn on to chat about investing and how to balance your budget to allow yourself to invest while still living a life that you love. During the episode, we have a robust chat about cryptocurrency and delve into some of the NFT and DeFi projects that Glenn is part of himself. Now, if you get halfway through and you realize that crypto is not going anywhere and you want to be part of the action, our friends at SwiftX are giving you $10 worth of Bitcoin for signing up. So head to the link in our show notes to take advantage of that. Because whether you're a beginner, a Bitcoin veteran, or just crypto curious, I am your host, Alicia Chapman, and this is Tapping Into Crypto. Glenn James, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you here with us today. Thanks for having me, Alicia. I'm I'm pumped to have a bit of a chat about whatever you want to talk about, to be honest. Oh, I know. We could go in so many different directions with this podcast. There's just so much that you are an expert on and I cannot wait to unpack. But Glenn, the very first question that we ask everyone to the podcast, what was your very first crypto purchase and do you still have it now? My first crypto purchase was, it was Litecoin and I don't have it anymore. Oh my gosh, Litecoin. That is one that we do not hear very often. What made you purchase that? Well, I think when, you know, end of 16, start of 17, when things were really starting to happen more so mainstream in the uh, crypto world, it was just one that I got in on along with Ripple back then. Gosh, (laughs) <laughs> I forget. It was it was a while ago. But yeah, so basically it would have been Litecoin, yeah. But, you know, rode that first wave out and I think I sold out of it. So I still don't have it yeah, anymore. Wow. Oh my gosh. And and take some good profits along the way. Yeah, absolutely. But the weird thing was, it was only recently that I, um, because basically what happened, because I was kind of in it well before the mainstream and the regulators and all that stuff. And it wasn't that long ago that I sold the rest of the rats and mice that I had on the Bittrex platform because I used Bittrex for something. Actually, you know what? There was another coin that I recently, I had like 200 US dollars on Bittrex, which was in NEO. And because I had to then, even to transfer it to like another broker, Mm. I had to do the ID and all that stuff that I didn't have to do a million years ago when I was dicking around with it. So, yeah, it was, yeah, Litecoin, Neo, Ripple, and I think that was the three main ones that I was playing around with. Now, Glenn, most people will know you and they'll know my millennial money, but for those that don't, and even just to share with those that are interested, how did it all come about? Yeah, so when I was a financial advisor... It was becoming apparent to me that people would come into my office and they would say, hey, Glenn, I need some financial advice. And we had a chat and it worked out being that, oh, no, you just need a freaking budget. Like, you just need to spend less than what you earn. You need to get out of debt. Like, you need to just do all these baseline things. And then at the same time, I had friends of friends that you'd meet at cafes, whatever, and like, oh, can you help me with my budget and all that stuff? 
So I actually developed what I called the Glenn James Spending Plan, and we still do that online course. And I kind of was doing that in my financial planning practice. And it was like people would come and say, we need financial advice. I'm like, we well, don't need advice. You just need to get a good spending plan and whatnot. You can pay me three grand and I can sit down with you and, you know, pat you on the shoulder and really give you that one-on-one coaching over the next year to get to your goals, which is mainly get a spending plan, <laughs> get out of debt. Or you can pay, you know, $100 online and do an online course and do it yourself. And then in this, I was kind of getting sick of repeating myself and I was kind of at the top of where I wanted to be with the financial planning industry. I was on association boards. I was, you know, just in the industry and my business had won some awards. I had won some awards. I was like, oh, I need a change now anyway. So then I transitioned across 100% to the podcast because I started that podcast because I'm like, I'm just going to tell people what I do with my money and the best way that I see to manage money and to encourage people on scale at mass as opposed to this one-on-one. I wanted to go to -to one-to-many and that's kind of how the podcast came to begin. And it's incredible. And you do. You have such a broad reach now and help so many people. And a concept that I love that you talk about a lot is financial health. If someone hasn't heard that before, can you explain what that is? Because I love the way that you explain this and what financially healthy actually means. Well, I think it's funny. I was thinking the other day, like I reckon one solid sign of financial health is that you're not living on the line. You're not living week on week. You're not worried about if there was an emergency, would I have money to pay a car repair? Would a small inconvenience flush me? Where a small inconvenience, if you're financially healthy, is literally just a small inconvenience. So I think what I'm getting at with this financial health, you're living in balance with your life as well. All I do in my life is give some, save some and spend some. So I give money to charities and organizations regularly. I save money and I'm actually a terrible saver. So that that saving category includes investing uh, for the long term. Yeah. And then I spend some because we've got to enjoy life, we've got to eat, we've got to be in balance. And if you look at those three categories, give some, save some, and spend some, if you're actually only doing one of them, you're out of balance. And, you know, if someone just gave all their money away, well, they're not looking after future them. They're not enjoying the now and having a a good life. Likewise, if someone just invested all their money, well, they're not helping anyone else. And it really almost becomes a little bit, I'm a tight ass. It's all about me in a type of way. And then on the other side, if someone's just spending all their money, well, they're not looking after people and they're not looking after the future them. And it's also can be a little bit self-indulgent that I'm just, you know, spending all my money. So I think financial health, it is that, yeah, I'm not living on the line. I'm not living week to week. I don't actually feel anxious about my money. Yes. And I think that's that balance is so important as well, especially coming back to spending some. You know, there are so many people that they'll go and set a budget and everything will be down to the wire and they'll have this investing scheme and all the things they want to do. And then they kind of forget that you actually need to live a life as well. You know, you want to go out for breakfast sometimes with your friends or do these other things and they've set this budget and then they constantly feel like they're in this cycle of failure and that they're constantly never actually adhering to the plan they set in the first place. Yeah, I think not only having balance with our money is good, but I think it's important. And this is what I try in my own life to have balance And that is making sure I'm exercising, whatever that looks like for me. It is making sure that I'm having days without a laptop and doing work. I'm making sure I'm having human connection. So I think 
it's just all about balance, right? And if we take balance in our own money and we have that spending category in balance, well, it might mean that we can buy an experience that will give us joy and give us balance in other parts of our life, right? It's kind of funny. I I had this weird thing the other day, like, and I have a million ideas and most of them suck and they don't ever see the light of day. And I said to my team, I'm like, all right, guys, we're renaming the podcast. We're rebranding it. It's not my millennial money anymore. It's called more than money because everything that we do, it's actually more than money. It's not about money. It's more than money. So yeah. anyway, that kind of got shot down because of the brands so good in the market. <laughs> but- uh, the concept is pretty good. And I, I love that expansion that, you know, there is more to life than money, but also you need to be aware of bringing those into your budgeting and your, your planning as well. And probably one thing that isn't healthy with money is if you feel that money is controlling you. I tell my money what to do. I control my money. And that's like, I live in this money world and I'm really conscious of it. But I mean, if you're feeling that you're controlled by money, it's probably more an unhealthy mindset. Perhaps if you might have lots of money and you're controlled by it, like you might not have much and you, you're living on the line because you're not yet at that critical mass of financial health because we're all, I guess, on a spectrum and we can move through the spectrum. I mean, I remember when I was starting my business, I was 25 years old and I didn't have any money and I had, oh gosh, I think I counted like I had $15,000 worth of bills oh and a couple of grand in the bank account. And I mean, it may as well have been $300,000 worth of bills because I just didn't have the money, right? Yeah. And you know, we can sometimes go through those pinches and those times, but my encouragement is you have to just keep moving and get through it. And if you go through hard times, just try and make sure you don't have to go through those hard times again. And yeah, a, a bit of a, a rant there, but... Um, no, but learn the lesson or, and get some help, which there are yeah. so many resources, which we'll t- definitely touch on as we move through. But, you know, get someone to help you who's been through this before, who can sort of guide you on the way out. Yeah. Because it's not something that, you know, you ever, ever want to go through again. So a lot of our listeners and and a majority of them are investors. And for some of them, this will be something that they're just dabbling in on the side. For others, it is a full-blown investment strategy and they spend all day, every day doing technical analysis. And so for people that are investing, you touched on it before, but a huge part of that save portion is allocating money to be able to invest, you know, being able to have that balance, be able to live a little, be able to give a little, but also be able to invest. What tips would you have for someone if they're trying to figure out how to portion money away to be able to invest? Yeah. So my first thing is, and kind of touching back on, like you need to have a spending plan. And I don't like the B word because for me, if someone says budget, you got to have a budget because I'm a spender by nature. I'm like, I feel like constricted. And I'm like, don't tell me what I can or can't do. But for me, a spending plan, like I have an allocation that I've got a separate bank account. That's the only one that's on my phone, the only card that's in my wallet. And there's a select amount that goes over to that account once a week. And that money is for food, fuel, going out, entertainment, like just my week on week, weekly living account. And I think the first thing to do is to have a system in place And there's two types of budgets when we're looking at personal finance. There's the top-down budget and then there's the bottom-up. So the Glenn James Spending Plan that I teach, it's a bottom-up budget, which basically means we list all our expenses and we've got to get to the point where we know how much it costs us to exist, regardless of our income. So 
So if we put all our expenses in and not even savings, not even extra mortgage repayments or extra debt repayments or extra investing, just like how much does it cost me to wake up and live? So we work that out and then it goes, okay, well, if it costs that much to live and we've got this income, we hope there's a surplus, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a bottom up and then you can get that surplus and invest that for the future. Now, top down is, goes the other way. It's like, I need to make this much income because I want to invest, then I'll make all my expenses fit into the top category. So, it's kind of the other way. So, it's whatever you want to do, but either way, you need to know how much it costs you to exist and what's left over. And then the what's left over amount, we need to then allocate to savings if it's short-term stuff, allocate to getting out of debt, allocate to saving if you want to buy a house, home deposit. It really works that way because we've all got expenses. Like we all have a phone bill that we pay. We all pay rent or a mortgage. So as humans living in functioning Australia or anywhere you're listening to this, we all have baseline expenses. So it's just really quantifying that and then working out what's left over. And then with the what's left over amount, we look at how we can put that to work to future us or to our future short or long-term goals. I love that approach. And it it is different to how other people can teach that as well, which is that top down and really finding ways to minimize your expenses. And of course, you know, if you're not happy with the balance, then sure, that's maybe a great thing to dive into. But even just running it as an example from that bottom up approach, I think is so interesting because it's like, well, if I live my life the way I do today, the way I enjoy it, going out with my friends, doing these sort of things, you know, what does that actually look like if I'm living a life that I actually enjoy? And do I still have money left over to invest then? Yeah. And, you know, if you want to drill down onto the budget, if I can remember them off the top of my head, it's in my book, sort your money out and get invested. There's only like four levers on your budget that you can actually do, right? So the first one is increasing income. So that's easy. Go get a side hustle, pay rise, increase income. The second lever is decrease savings. So we're saving less because we need to allocate more income to other categories. The third lever is to actually reduce costs on a category level. So if you had a category of health and fitness, Mm -hmm. you might say, well, I'll keep the gym membership but I'm going to ditch the PT sessions. So I've reduced costs, but kept the category. And then the fourth lever is to cut something out completely. So I'm just like, nah, I'll just walk or run every day. So they're the four levers that we've really all got to pull when it comes to our personal finances. Yeah. So if you're wanting to increase the amount that you can invest, if you pull this and you start looking at it and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just not happy. Using one of those levers might be a really good option to try and increase the amount that you can invest. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And then what about, so So crypto is obviously quite volatile. Hmm. What do you think about setting a risk profile and you know taking that into account when you are investing? When you've got your amount, you're happy with that and where your budget sits? So I think you first, like anything to do with money, if you understand the concepts, you can apply those concepts to any area of your life. And it's risk and return. We know as a broad concept, the higher the risk, the higher the chance of return. We see this in you know, startup companies all around the world where some billionaire will take a punt and put, I don't know, a million dollars into this new startup called Twitter and then no track record, no history, whatever. 
and it turns out to be the next big unicorn, right? Mm-hmm. So that person's taken a risk, but for every one unicorn that you hear of, there's probably thousands that you haven't heard of. So those venture capital people, they put money into investments with no track record, just an idea. Idea is worth nothing until it's producing revenue and then it falls over. So if we understand that, if we also look back at the other end of that, so if we look at investing money into something that has no track record, no history, just an idea, just a bit of a vibe happening, if we go to the other side and instead of investing $10,000 there, we put $10,000 in our bank account, well, we know that if I put $10,000 in my bank account, it's quite secure. You know, it's not going to be removed the next day. It's government guaranteed. We go one step further. We might say, well, a bond, a government bond, a little bit higher return than cash, covers more risk than cash because the government or the company might not pay it back. Then you go up the risk spectrum to, all right, I want to buy shares in an ASX listed company. And there could be some risk there. I know that there's more risk in a company that I haven't heard of than Woolworths or Coles because, you know, they're probably not going anywhere soon. So, if we understand the risk profile and the risk kind of curve of each asset class, I think it just goes back to that basic education. And we know that anything above the line of growth asset, we need to make sure that we're investing that money for at least five to seven years. Otherwise, if you're saving for a a holiday, we'll just save in cash and the return sucks. But hey, we at least know when you want to get the money back out that it will be there rather than, oh, I need to save money for a holiday. I'm going to just invest it in shares. And then in six months time, when I go to Prague, I'll just pull the money out. Well, in six months time, when you go to Prague, uh, there could be another world war and your portfolio might be decreased by 20%. So we just need to understand that. And you're probably thinking, crypto, where does that fit in? This is a crypto podcast. When are you going to talk about crypto? Um, In my book, I actually drew a a risk-reward spectrum. And at the top, at like high risk, high reward, I had like lottery tickets, roulette, and crypto (laughs) in the same category. Now, you know, there's some caveats there. Look, when it comes to crypto, I'm a bit of a macro type guy. Like you got to look at it. Australian government are putting their working group towards it. Like the Senate had their committee. We know the ATO are looking at it. We know that, you know, ANZ have just recently released their stablecoin that they want to get in. So macro, we're stepping back and saying, this stuff's here to stay. That's fine. But if I put, you know, $100 in Cumrocket, which is a coin, (laughs) and buy some cummies, that's just as good as crypto. So we've got to be very real and yeah. And do your research like you would with other asset classes, I guess. Like, you know, you know, as you said, a share, if you're mm. doing your research, if you're actually adventuring into that space and seeing what this company is, what they stand for, what's on their roadmap, you know, they're all things that we encourage every single week people need to be doing in crypto. Otherwise, you are literally just throwing money away. It's like a lottery ticket. If you're not doing your research and you don't know what the project is, why are you investing in it? Yeah. And this is the weird thing, right? Like with crypto projects and all that. And I can tell you, like, I've gone deep into DeFi. I've got some pretty cool stuff going on just for my own personal interest. Most of the research, quote unquote, do your own research. Some of it is just crap. Like there actually isn't that much research. Like you go to a web page and they've got this project and it's like, we've got these like Harvard professor who's doing this. And then we've got this person, they, they want to be kept anonymous. I'm like, it means nothing. Like, 
because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of new coins and new projects. And I actually think, you know, it's buy beware. And if you want to put your money in this stuff, I, I don't even like using the word invest in the same sentence as crypto because I don't invest in traditional currencies. So if I invest in crypto, I'm, I'm putting money into an asset class and it's a bit of speculation. And I got a bit of heat for like talking about crypto because like, so I did the, um, I don't know if you've seen it. I did the introduction to crypto, like crypto for beginners course, right? On our platform. And I had emails from like people, I can't believe you're talking about crypto. I thought you were above that and professional. And I'm like, well, number one, it's not going away. We know that, right? Number two, I reserve the right to teach my audience about stuff in a way that they're not going to do their ass and it's safe. Like, you've got a problem with that. I can't help you. And and that's all good. But I just think, that's funny. I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just kind of having a bit of a, no, bit of a rant. I always love a good rant. Always. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, you just got to chill out. You know, it's not going to be the answer to all your problems. The minute you cash in and make lots of money, the minute you think you're good and you'll get flushed. As simple as that. And if you look at the top web browser or the top search engine is Google, right? They weren't first to market. Google was not first. The top social media platform at the moment is Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Guess what? They weren't first. It was MySpace. <laughs> so, you know, you look at the, the top whatever who has the market share, they usually were not first to market. So when you're dicking around with crypto, Take five bags of salt. And I did this project, right? And I'll talk about it. I put, what did I put? I think it was like two grand US in it, right? Yeah. And it got to the point, it got up to like 12 grand. I'm like, that will do me. And then I just sold out. Like all this crap, like that's not investing. That's taking a punt. Yeah. And I think like this is good to have polarizing conversations, right? Because you see the returns in crypto are... Very vast in that you'll see someone who has a great win. They'll throw a hundred bucks on some random altcoin mm. and they'll turn it into 50 grand. Like we've seen that. We've spoken to people. Absolutely. That, and that happens. And then you see other people that, you know, but that's they, not investing. And then they put it into, say, Bitcoin. Maybe they have read everything they want to. They truly believe in Bitcoin, but they invest, they put money in when it's at the top. And that has, you know, halved since then and it's moving. But I think as well with all of this, and, and we say this all the time, it's doing your own research on projects. You know, it's not just, as you said, when you're talking about altcoins, anyone can write a white paper and put it up and say these people are working from them. But you need that proof and you need to be able to see the tech and see the results. And when you see that side of it, when you're seeing the tech output actually coming out and you're believing in that, like Bitcoin, great example, we're seeing those transactions actually be able to take place. We're seeing it change and transform countries and the way that they interact with money. Like when that's happening, then I think you can, of course, make a more educated decision. Yeah. And that's why, like, hear me correct. Like, I'm not anti-Bitcoin. I'm not anti-Ethereum. I'm not anti-Solana, like, or crypto or whatever. Like, I'm anti-stupidity. <laughs> and if you take all your money and buy a heap of stuff and you lose all your money, well, welcome to life. That was a bad quote, but whatever. Uh, but <laughs> We're going to frame that one for you, Glenn. Yeah, you can. Well, but like this whole thing, right? Like 
you know, everyone, all these projects, like the whole thing is who can make the project that is around and that gets mainstream use? Hmm. Like that's the thing, right? Yeah. And we no one knows. That's right. Put Facebook and Instagram and all of them, if they all launched at the same time, it would be very hard to pick who would win. If you saw all of their white papers, let's say they wrote white papers, starting Facebook, Instagram, all of the different platforms, it'd be very hard to choose which one Mm. was going to break out. And so you just need to stay on top of it when it is such a young market as well, I think. That's right. So I, I would just be wary of people saying that they know about cycles and they know about this. I know one thing. I just step back and say, this stuff is not going anywhere. Do I want some exposure? Yep. All right. I'll take some exposure. But for me, Glenja, and for your listeners, hello, everyone. Love your work. Um, I'm not upset if people put all their money and they only buy crypto. Like, I'm still sleeping as well tonight, but I'm not going to do that myself because I think I can make a better return elsewhere that's a more sustainable return. And, you know, with my business, with my own career, with the podcast thing that I do, like, but do I have exposure to cryptocurrencies? Absolutely. Am I in like Discord stuff, down in the weeds, vibing everything out? Absolutely. I think it's fun. It's fascinating. And I like this. And the whole thing is like, you see all this crap online and it could be some 15-year-old kid in their parents' garage in Estonia. Like, who knows? And that's why it's like, and we've seen that. We've seen some YouTubers go and create a project. They've gone yeah. and created their own cryptocurrency. So, like, it's, again, why you really, you can't just throw money and hope that it sticks, like, on something that you've read on Facebook or Reddit. Like, it's it's just not a thing. Unless it's like we were at the end of last year where a monkey walking across a keyboard could have made millions of dollars. Like, but, so, like, yeah, I just, when I talk about this stuff, I just want to, like, make sure that we all have a cold shower and, just put some perspective in place that, you know, not everyone's going to make a million dollars overnight. And yeah, like seriously, I've got some cool stuff that I'm just playing around with. I've got a friend in the States, we're in a group chat and we're just looking at different stuff. Like I'm heaps into it, but it's not my main method of wealth creation. But speaking of heaps into it, something that I have seen you talk about is an NFT. So, an NFT yeah. project that you've been working on. Can you talk to us about that? Because that's super exciting. Yeah. So, this was another thing as well. Like, I'm creating a My Millennial Money NFT. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, again, I want to teach my audience about this technology in a safe way. And people have heard NFT, NFT, NFT. And what I'm going to do is create these NFTs and it's kind of cool. It's the My Millennial Money Meerkat. So, it's little Meerkat and he's on a laptop. Um, oh, good. So, we're, I think we're going to mint a fair few. But the thing is, again, I put in the Facebook group, hey, you know, we're talking about NFTs and going to do a My Millennial Money NFT. Instantly, people think I'm out there to rip people off and snake oil and all that stuff where, no, I'm going to show people how an NFT works and what we're actually doing. I'm not charging for them. We're going to put it up in our group. We're going to say, hey, if anyone wants an NFT, here are the details. We're going to do a video, show people like, because we're actually doing it on the Solana network. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to show people 
how to get like a phantom wallet set up. We're going to mint a heap and then we're going to actually just transfer them to our audience for no cost. We'll cover the, you know, any small gas fees or whatnot. And then what we might do is once you've got the NFT, if we do an event somewhere, we've got our tour coming up. Hey, if you show your NFT, you'll get reserved seating. Or if you show your NFT, you'll be able to use it in our world. Yeah. Now as well, a friend who I'm doing this project with, I think he's even going to put a whole heap on the market and see if they will actually sell. So they might be worth something. So any of my listeners that have them might be able to make some money from them. How? Oh, I love this, Glenn. And it's so interesting. Like, as we said before, like the best way to learn about crypto is by actually doing it, actually diving in and giving it a go. How have you found learning how to do all of this stuff? Like, how have you navigated the learning curve? It's a steep learning curve. And I have people in my world who, so like my friend who's doing this with me, you know, on behalf of the My Millennial Money kind of as a bit of a ghost in the background, He's an engineer. He's kind of into it. So I outsource a lot of the stuff, the design stuff we're kind of doing. But I just want to be loud and clear. Like I will give them to my listeners and there's no way that I'll be advertising them to make money off my listeners. If my friend puts them, I said, I don't care. I don't even want to know if you want to put them and sell them to people overseas or whatever, knock yourself out. But I'm not going to take advantage of the podcast listeners and actually yeah, sell NFTs because it is more about the education. Um, yeah, not profiteering off it and giving them something unique, giving them something. Yeah, and, and I really want to use it, yeah, in the future. Like you get, and actually we're in the process of our podcast artwork, turning that original file into an NFT as well. Yeah, because this is the whole thing. Like the NFTs, it's like crypto and I'm talking to the choir here, like the blockchain technology is not going away. Yeah. Like you know, the ASX are trying to do their own blockchain thing internally and get rid of chess platform and all that stuff. And, you know, the ATO, I think they're going to try and do some blockchain thing internally. You know, next time you get, well, I reckon within five years, easy, like 28th of April, I'm seeing a comedian in Sydney, Tim Dillon, right? Jump on Ticketek, get the ticket, email it. Within five years, Every ticketing agency will have their own blockchain network and will issue smart contracts as the tickets, NFTs. No fraud, easy. They'll probably make money when someone wants to sell it on. They'll probably burn in a royalty in it. Like, so this stuff is it's actually not going anywhere. And that's why I want to educate my audience in a safe way. And I'm happy to give our NFTs to anyone in the My Millennial Money Facebook community who actually wants to understand what a wallet is, how to, you know, scoop the um, the wallet address. We'll talk about, you know, like our OSCO number or our pay ID for our bank. You know, I can give you my mobile number and that's my pay ID. You can't take money from it, but if someone wants to pay into it, they can. So it's literally just an educational thing. And as you said, it's not going anywhere. So educating people on this stuff is so important. Well, if you want to be ahead of the curve and if you know you don't want to be like your grandma who still can't use their iPhone and they're still trying to learn all of these things, if you actually want to keep up with the times, like all the kids that are teenagers, they're on TikTok, they know about this stuff. They're playing with it. They're learning and educating themselves. So if you want to keep up, you've got to get into it. And that's why part of the reason why I 
for my because I'm getting old, you know, old and washed up and all that. And you know, if you if you're still listening to this, and you probably hate me because I'm controversial and all that stuff, that's fine. But I'm leaning into this stuff because, like, I'll get the new iPhone or whatever it is every couple of years or whatever. I'll always lean into technology to not be left behind because mm-hmm. you need to stay current and. That's why I want to lean into this crypto stuff. That's why, like, I'm in, you know, DeFi projects. That's why, like, I just I just want to be all about it. It's part of the world now. And before we move on to, to some more investing stuff, just quickly before mm-hmm. we wrap, do you think that the backlash and the, I guess, negative comments, like being in crypto, we, we know, we all feel it, we all get it, whether it's from our friends or our family or other people in the industry, do you feel that it's from a lack of education and fear? Uh, it's because people have legitimately been scammed and there's a lot of crap out there. That's one reason. And then also lack of education. And that's kind of with um, the NFT stuff that I want to teach. I'm more interested in teaching about the concepts of how this stuff works. And that's why when I did the introduction to cryptocurrency online course, I just wanted to do it with no agenda. You just pay $49 or whatever. There's like I don't know, two and a half hours of videos and you can just learn the basic concepts of this world. And, you know, it's, I just want to educate people on the concepts and that's all I've ever done. You just educate people for them to have enough information to make their own decision. Yeah, 100%. And it is always learning. As we touched on before, you know, crypto is ever-changing. It's always evolving. There's always something new. So it's being part of that constant educational cycle. If you want to stay ahead and when you are putting money into this, it's actually going in places that it should be. It's just constantly learning. And so, Glenn, like you ventured down this crypto path. You've got, you know, some some things that you're playing and dabbling in now. What kinds or projects are you currently invested in? Well, this is not, any type of financial advice and, you know, coins aren't considered financial product advice anyway. But I'll, I'll tell you what I hold and how I've held them, all right? So, I hold uh, Kadena. I hold – I'm just reading my list in my wallet, right? Honestly, guys, don't buy these because I'll probably tank. Um, Kadena, Bitcoin, Solana, Polygon, Shiba Inu, and that's the funny one. The only reason I bought that is when Dogecoin took off, I'm like, I'm going in on that because if that gets picked up, it's going to go to the freaking moon. And it did. Polkadot, Sandbox, Phantom, Dogecoin, and Decentraland. Uh, I've got another um, wallet, uh, which I haven't got open at the moment, but there's some other stuff. But my strategy, it's not narrow and deep. It's broad and thin. And if I'm being brutally honest, all the holdings that I do have, I'm holding them with house money. Um, so, they're basically, I've taken my original capital out and it's just all basically profits. How good. Yeah, very interesting mix of projects there. A couple yeah. of meme coins, which I always love to see. Yeah, well, I mean, why not? You've got to be in it, hey? But I mean, like, I just can't be more clear as like, this stuff is not, Glenn James financial plan. This is like, I'm just interested in holding for the long term. Yeah. But epic that you've also, you know, with with that, I guess, attitude and, and heading into it, epic to see that you've also made some profits there as well and that you've been able oh, to. Oh, yeah. Well. Categorically printed money. Oh, I, I actually do have Ethereum as well. Um, and I've got a heap of that staked ready for the docking at some point. 
Yes, there's some big things happening with ETH, which we're always very excited to talk about, the changes that are happening there this year. So going back to investing, you mm-hmm. have some amazing episodes on your podcast. And we'll pop it in the show notes so people can check it out. But is there anything that you wish that you knew before you started your own investment journey? Oh, I yeah, I wish I turned back time and totally understood that my value as an investor is worrying about generating the capital to invest and outsourcing the investment, whether it's a Vanguard diversified fund, whether it's a blended ETF of different equities, for example. So, yeah, I'm not the investment manager. I'm a dickhead, as a lot of people have just learned through the last 40 minutes. So, I need to just focus on generating the capital and outsourcing my investing and setting up money systems so I don't have to pull that money back down to buy a new lounge or, you know, use that money for a rental bond if I need to move or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, it's really just setting the foundations in my life in place first. Such good advice. And it is like, it shares the same, you know, not to the same degree of volatility, but if you're not actually actively staying on top of what you've invested in. Like we've seen all the buy now, pay laters are a fantastic example of this. You know, they were doing so well. Everyone was seeing these great returns and everything was going really well. And then there was a tipping point where the market sentiment changed and a lot of them started to lose money. And if you weren't on top of that and didn't sell at that point, what was maybe worth $10 as an example is now worth under one. So it's just, you know, it's the same sort of thing that you just always need to be learning. So I love that advice. Totally. Well, Glenn, we'll pop everything in the show notes, including your podcast, the book, all of the things going on in your world. And for those that want to follow you right now, where can they head to? Anywhere where you're listening to this podcast, Instagram, My Millennial Money, Facebook group. Yeah, I'm around. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Glenn. It's been amazing having you on and having a, a very broad chat around crypto and all the things that it covers. It's been good to have a debate. Thanks so much for having me, Alicia. And thanks to everyone listening. And uh yeah, if you're a listener of mine and my millennial money, get back to work. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.